Hello, everybody. My name is Rolf Lange. I'm from Munich, Germany, and welcome to the Ride and Talk BMW Motorrad podcast. And here is your host, Andy Dukes. Funny how a motorcycle can change your life. When Rolf Lange's digital agency won a contract with BMW Motorrad, he didn't even ride a motorcycle. However, as soon as he acquired his license and bought one, he was hooked. So much so that in the end, his GS and the promises of adventure that came with it became more important than his career. He planned his escape from corporate life, a round-the-world ride with a best friend, quit his job, and set off with hardly any riding experience but a genuine desire to discover this world ahead, which is what he called his journey. The trip changed his life in so many ways, as did the bike, which he still rides every day. If you're harbouring similar desires, but think that an overland adventure may be beyond your abilities, think again. Because as Rolf testifies in this latest episode of Ride and Talk, anyone can discover new horizons. You just need to twist the throttle and go. Rolf, it's great to have you here. Everybody knows where you've been and what you've done because I've already introduced you. But your background before you went and did your round-the-world trip, it's in advertising and digital media. But you weren't a motorcycle fan until the agency you were with at the time won a contract with BMW Motorrad. And you became inspired after immersing yourself into this world. Tell us a little bit more about how that happened. Uh, yeah, actually, that's um, a great uh, coincidence for my life uh, to win that uh, that account. Um, I was working for that digital or media marketing agency. And um, then, uh, yeah, this uh, briefing came from BMW Motorrad. And we won that pitch and we won that account. And it was quite a big account for us. And um, as it is in advertising, to feel the product, if you want to talk about a product, you have to, to know how it feels, right? And I think nobody can be told how motorcycling is, how riding a motorcycle is. So uh, I made the rider's license just for this account. And from the first hour in the riding school, uh, it catched me totally. So uh, I, I found not only a new client, but also a new passion for my life. At what point was the seed sown? At what point did you say, hey, do you know what? I could do this. I could ride around the world. <laughs> Actually, I never thought I could do this, but I wanted to. So um, I was uh, one year after uh, BMW Motorrad became my client. I was in the United States to visit my best friend from childhood who was living there in San Francisco. And he was motorcyclist. And so he uh, bought a, a used motorcycle for me too. It was cruiser time, right? Typical California style. And we rode around uh, for 10 days or two weeks in California and Nevada, doing all the hotspots you have there. And um, I was amazed by that kind of traveling. But in the middle of these 10 or 14 days, I started to count back. I was enjoying it so much that I thought this will, this is going to be over someday and it's very soon. It's only five days, four days, three days. So I was already in the office, back in the office and not in the moment of traveling. And then we started, after that uh, holiday, we started a discussion. How can we expand that feeling? We don't want that date, you know, where it ends. 
And we started to think about, let's do three months in South America. That's convenient. You don't need all these uh, custom papers. For Germans, it's easy to travel there. And then I also said to my friend Joe, who was um, yeah, my companion at that time, and I said, let's... Uh, now, if it's three months, then after one and a half months, I know I'm going to come back. It's only one and a half months, only six weeks, five weeks, four weeks, and so on. And at one point in that discussion, he was in San Francisco in the office. I was in Munich here, already at home in the evening. And we chatted via Skype, and I asked him, what is the best journey we could probably do? And the answer was, um, I gave it to myself, uh, was... Um, The best journey you can do is the one where you don't know when when to come home. Well, you don't know that where when the journey will end. Yeah, exactly. So was it at that the point where you said, yeah. "Hey, this yeah. thing, this thing's got legs. We can do this. Yes, let's plan this. Let's yeah. make this happen, and let's not work. Let's not let work get in the way." Yeah. Of an incredible adventure. Yeah, exactly. And and still, we didn't know we could do it, but we wanted to do it. And we couldn't leave that, you know, that idea. Okay, let's go out there without having any idea when it will end. That's the interesting question, isn't it, Rolf? Because I think when a lot of motorcycle fans who dream of something like this um, are dreaming of it, they're thinking that it's beyond them. It's not possible. But I speak to a lot of people who've done it, and it's all about... The hardest thing is taking the first step, making the decision to actually go, isn't it? And even at that moment, you're still full of self-doubts, aren't you? Oh, yes, I was full of doubts. I never felt brave at that point or something, you know, now we're going to do it and we're going to show everybody. It's not about that at all. I was really afraid uh, the weeks before we left, you know, from the decision to the day we were leaving was two and a half years of, you know, saving money, planning and getting all the visa and everything. And um, so uh, the last weeks, uh, the closer this the state came, it felt I was really nervous. I couldn't concentrate. And I was, um, uh, yeah, I was uncertain about what decision I, I took. Two and a half years. That's That's a lot of planning. Yeah. But, you know, Joe lived in San Francisco, so he first moved to Munich, then we planned together. You you could do it a lot faster, of course. Yeah, but for us, it was the right time. What age were you at the time you decided to do this? Uh, I think 35. 35, yes. okay. Did you, did you think that it could have any, like, a negative impact on your career? No, not at all. I don't know why. I, I was so injected by this idea, I just wanted to do it, yeah. So who did you speak to for guidance? How did you go about the process of learning how to prepare for the adventure of a lifetime? Well, we read a lot of books of people who had done something like that before. You know, you have, uh, uh, you have Ted Simon, of course. Uh, you have uh, Hugh McGregor and Charlie Bowman. And you have a lot of other very good books who write about same experiences of people who just left everything and went out. And uh, that was uh, mainly the, the the source of inspiration, how to plan and everything. But um, yeah, there was not much people to talk to about how to do it, because there weren't so many at that time that I knew. Were you also hoping to discover something about yourself on this journey? Or was it purely about the the escape Well, I, I'm not sure if escape is the right word because um, I loved my job at that time. You know, I had great clients. I had a great team working on, on the 
clients. And um, so I loved that. But I thought, you know, this can't go on till 67. That's not it, right? There must be something else in life. And it was not so much about me before I started. It was more about, you know, what can I discover what's out there. We all have news, we have documentaries, we have everything we need. You might guess we have everything. But um, one thing is, um, is fantasy and the other thing is experience. And I wanted to experience how it's out there and how I can handle it. As the departure date approached, were you scared? Yes, absolutely. I was scared. I had no idea what I was going to do. And when I uh, when we said, okay, now it's noon, we're going to leave. We were at my sister's place, you know, friends and family were there. And I was really nervous. I couldn't talk to anyone. It was like a little bit shaking, you know, uh, because I knew now when I leave this courtyard, um, then that's it. Then I'm gone. And I was afraid. Yeah. How much confidence did it give you setting off with somebody, planning the trip with somebody? Because I set off alone on mine and and there was a reason for that you know but at the same time there were many times when i thought you know it would have been a lot easier just sharing this burden <laughs> oh i can't imagine and i'm very happy that i uh started off with my best friend um because it makes so many things easier it's like a, an assurance you know not only for if something happens you know a crash or something but also you have a a, a partner to discuss things what are we going to do now? Are we going left or right? Uh, shall we talk to these people? Shall we sleep here? Shall we go for dinner here? I don't know. Shall we um, pitch up the tent there? Um, so you're not alone on these decisions. And I'm, I'm happy that we started uh, as a duo. Did you have any mechanical ability, any technical ability in terms of being able to work out what was going wrong with your bike if it ever did? No. No, you were, no, you no. you maybe changing a tire. That's it. So you pretty much put your faith one hundred percent in BMW Motorrad technology and engineering expertise, and and trusted trusted everything to them. Well, I trusted uh, the motorcycle a lot, yeah. And I thought if something happens and I can't repair it, that would be ninety nine percent of the cases. Um, I thought that's part of the adventure, you know, to find a solution then. And not to be able to repair it on my own, but to find maybe people who will pick you up, drive you to the next village, to make some phone calls. To, I don't know. There's always somebody who can help. That's what I guessed. And there is, actually. So, um, yeah, I relied on that. How easy or how difficult was it to decide on the type of bike and the equipment? Well, um, actually very easy because BMW Motorrad was my client. So I had, you know, there was a connection, of course. And um, at that time we made the decision and we bought the bikes. Um, there was the planning of the worldwide campaign of the new GS, the One World, One GS uh, campaign. That was my agency doing it. So um, I remember meetings where the creatives came with that idea. We could do a round-the-world tour. And in private, I had that thinking, you know, to, yeah, I'm going to do that too. And they asked me, Rolf, is it, could we suggest this idea to the client? Because we're not sure if this is possible. <laughs> I laughed inside of me because, yeah, if I can do it, <laughs> we can manage that campaign, right? So I had a big connection. I thought, you know, the, the R1200GS would be the perfect one and I, I had ridden it before and it felt very good to me 
And the actual equipment that you decided to take with you as well, was, was that fairly easy to, to work out what you wanted? Uh, the, the uh, yeah, uh, we made huge lists of equipment that we need, that we needed. Uh, then cut, you know, cut them in half. That, <laughs> well, it was a uh, typical German, maybe, you know, to make plans. We're very good at making plans. And uh, our living room, you know, Joe moved uh, into my apartment when he came back to Munich. So we had a planning office. You know, the apartment was nothing but a planning office. So we had flip charts on the walls and we had one year together living there. So in one year, you mark everything that you think might be good to take with you. So, you know, a tent, a cooker and everything. I had not, nothing of these things, not at all. And uh, uh, that's how we uh, came to a set of, of very good uh, things. Must have been an amazing year. Just the you know, sometimes the, the anticipation, the planning, the excitement, it's its as good as the journey itself. You know, yes, it's it hard is. to sleep at night sometimes yes. <laughs> because you re- all of that just makes you feel alive, doesn't it? It makes you feel that, you know, makes you feel young and it makes you feel like a boy's own adventure. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it makes you feel young and like a boy. That's that's perfect because you you, you are about to change your life. Right. And you're already thinking about this, how it's going to be and and how you're going to leave and where you're going to travel and you get information from foreign countries where you you couldn't spot them even on the on the map and now you're thinking about how can I travel there how do I get visa and everything and it also trains you in getting information and connecting with other motorcyclists who have been there uh, through uh, forums you know like Horizons Unlimited and everything and the money question how did you budget for this trip did you did you come up with a figure that you thought I need to get to this point before I leave? Or did you just say, I'm going to save this much money and then I'm just going to keep going for as long as that money lasts? Uh, the last one. Yeah. Uh, we, of course we saved for two and a half years, didn't make big trips or something, uh, just the investments we had uh, for the equipment. And we lived, that's why Joe moved into my apartment too. So um, um, we uh, saved on that uh, too. So um and after that, we had uh, some money uh, on the accounts and said that's that we'll have to do it. And describe the feeling on the day you left Munich. <laughs> As I uh, told before, I was really, really nervous. And here's an interesting thing uh, that happened. You know, I was nervous. Everybody was there. And then we said, OK, now it's five to noon. At noon, we're going to start. So we uh, say goodbye and we put the helmets on, uh, sit on the motorcycle, and then you turn the key and you see all the blinking and the lights. And then you start the engine and you go for two meters, three meters, four meters, and then suddenly all the worries are gone. That's how I experienced it. And that was amazing. Suddenly to be on the road and all the the worries to be nervous, everything. Um, yeah. All the worries about things that could happen or not happen. I don't know. It was all gone from that moment on. It was a flow to ride. And what about the, the feeling of freedom once you've gone, you know, because, you know, we're in Europe, we live quite regimented lives. We've got, we live by certain rules where there's a lot of us all packed together. Then all of a sudden you're on the road, wherever you lay your helmet, that's your home you maybe don't know where you're going to stay from one night to another for the next two years or whatever. 
how is that feeling and you know rattling around inside your brain it's just it's completely down to me now i make my own luck i follow my own path it's up to me yeah and that's the the beauty of it that's real freedom right when you're not dependent on any other people or decisions other people make so uh that mean is total freedom to me if you are responsible for everything you do And, um, you know, we went through China and Tibet and also through Myanmar. And at that time, you needed an official guide from the state um, to guide you through these countries. was not allowed to ride alone. And after, you know, you, you organized these uh, guides way before, months before. We organized them in Germany before we started. And they cost money, of course. So we were in groups to share the cost. And... Um, When we left Myanmar, it was the first time in my life since I was, uh, since I can think that I had no date, no meeting, no, no schedule, nothing, nothing. It's just me, my motorcycle and Southeast Asia. And that's it. It's the best feeling in the world, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is. But you have to give up a lot of things to come to that point. And then the first days, you don't even realize what you have as a gift. You can't, you, because we, we're so trained to be productive and everything. So you think, yeah, tomorrow we're going to ride and, and tomorrow we're going to go there. And, the, and then we started to think, no, we can stay. We can stay here four days if we want, or one week or two weeks or whatever. How long did it take you to to really relax into that feeling that, oh, hang on a sec, we make the rules. We don't have to rush off. We can slow it down a bit here. This is a cool place. Let's stay here for another day. Yeah. How long did it take to, to, to really let your mind go within that? I guess three months. It was after Myanmar that it started. Because before we had dates at the border, you know, you meet at the border at a certain day and you know this day will come in four months. So you know the state, and after that uh, we felt free, and then we we tried to, yeah, to to get rid of productivity and everything, and then we realized uh, how great this feeling is. So it took me three months to get to this point, and it got even better uh, the longer the journey took. Looking back, do you feel now that um, you could do something like that again? Or do you feel, knowing what you know and, and having been what you've been through, that actually you maybe got away with it a little bit and uh, it would be really hard to do it again? Uh, no, I would do it again at any time. And I know it would be easier. Maybe I took, would take some more risks. I don't know. Um, when I came home, I said to my friends that um, I'm not afraid to go in any country in the world because I think that people are wonderful in any country of the world. If you just go with the right attitude, right? And not the attitude of comparing, but the attitude of exploring and to find out from a, from a perspective of unknown, of not judging. And um, Yeah, so I'm less, way less afraid than before. I'm not afraid of any country or any encounter that I could have. Which continent would you say made the biggest impression on you? That's hard to say. I had never been in Asia before, so we started with Asia. So that made a big impression because we say, we say Asia, but, but it's so multicultural. It's not... So many different places. So many different places and cultures. 
and um but um and that has maybe to do that i continued the second leg of this journey alone especially my time in africa and i had wonderful encounters there um that i'm still talking about when people ask me what were the the most amazing people you met and the most hospitable people you met and the biggest friendships you um you had and and still have so I guess Africa would would be the continent that impressed me most. Most. A lot of people believe that you need to be a riding god to do a trip like this. You need to you you need to have grown up riding, you know, motocross and enduro. You need to be able to just be a master of a GS. You don't, do you? You just need to go. Exactly. Yeah. You can learn some things on the road. Uh, that's what I did. And uh, of course, you can choose sometimes your track. Do I go there or do I go there? And if you, especially when I was alone, I didn't always take the riskiest one um, because I thought I might not be able to handle it. But of course, when you ride so long and so many kilometers, then you get better every, every day uh, just by itself. So, Did you do some training at Hecklingham before yes. you left? Yeah. Did it help? Oh, yes, it helped because the learning curve is so steep, right? So you go there oh, the first time and then you think, oh, wow, I'm I'm off-road rider. <laughs> of course you're not, but, but you're a lot better than the, the day before. And I went uh, three or four times before I left and that helped me a lot, yeah, to get the basic tricks, right? And then it's, then it's uh, exercise, of course. What do you, do you, and do you feel like you improved massively just on the trip as well? Yes. Yeah, there were some situations where I was, um, yeah, shouting into my helmet, what the hell is going on here? I can't, this is terrain, I don't know, you know, a heavy bike, you have 100 kilos of luggage and the camera equipment and everything, and you drop it all the time because it's sand, you're muddy, you know, mud is not my favorite and <laughs> not at all and then you pick it up again and it, it's going to be a long day and then you hate that day but then you arrive and that's like you know the feeling when you get back into your comfort zone that feeling of accomplishment that, yes. that you've done it that, that you've you've done something that you never thought you were capable exactly. of. you've pushed yourself outside of your comfort zone and you've survived it yeah yeah and then you feel very very good and everything else and it makes all the future challenges that are coming so so much easier right because you get self-confidence and you feel good having a challenge and not bad were there times when you thought when you felt like the bike had got you out of trouble as well just because it's so tractable the the, the linear power delivery the, the handling the stable front end it's just just keeps you going yes, yes. uh the gs actually is really a bike that rides for you right it's not it's not it's more than it's uh it's the rider itself and you're just sitting on it of course it's a little bit more difficult than that but um the gs uh makes it easier especially for somebody like me who didn't start with a uh, big big experience have you still got your bike now that you did the trip on yes it's still my only vehicle is it really yeah and are you, are you still riding it regularly yes yeah to work yeah. How many kilometers does it have on it now? It has now 150,000, 15,000 kilometers. Yeah. Okay, so it's got it's just about running now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to countries rather than continents, 
Which country would you say had the biggest impact on you and why? Um, I have to name at least two. Uh, one is Iran. And I know you heard stories about uh, Iran um, people before. Because um, you cannot imagine how friendly and how hospitable these people are. It's crazy. You are invited every day for tea, for dinner, for lunch, for water at a gas station, for uh, staying overnight every day. If we, if you say yes to any to every invitation, then you could not finish your journey. It's not possible. People are incredibly curious, you know. They want to talk and they want to... They are so happy that you're there because they are isolated, right? There are not many people traveling there. Uh, it's getting more, but there, there weren't so so many at that time. And um, I, f I found that people were... More than that, they were actually excited yes. to see somebody in their country, a Western tourist, if you like, on, yeah. a, on a big bike. Because, of course... Bikes over 150cc, they're, they're banned, I think. Yeah. They're not allowed. Yeah. Women aren't allowed to ride motorcycles in Iran. People are just so excited and they just want to know what you think of Iran, what you think of their country, what your impressions are. Yeah, exactly. That That's exactly my experience. They are excited and they want to do everything that's possible for them to make your journey, your stay pleasant, right? And, um, oh, we had so many encounters and, and wonderful encounters and invitations. And we stayed at homes and uh, we were invited at night in the park to have, you know, uh, some cookies sitting on carpets on the floor, talking to other people. And you also discussed, um, like here, about politics and religion. It's just a normal thing. You think, like, oh, what am I about to say? And when they ask you, what religion are you? And you say, I'm... Um, I was, yeah, Catholic. And can I say that? Is that is that okay? I don't know. Maybe they. No, they they're totally fine. And then you discuss about what does the, what are the basics of Islam and the basics of uh, Catholic religion, and you find out that it's it's all the same, right? <laughs> it's about humanity. It's about friendship. Uh, it's about taking care. That's it. So you said that was one of the countries. Uh, the second one that really surprised me uh, was Rwanda, um, because I guess everybody has the same feelings when you just hear the name Rwanda. You think about 1994 and the massacre that happened uh, back then. And um, so I, I knew it was a crowded country, you know, very dense population, Uh, so I thought, after my experiences in India, ooh, there might be uh, heavy traffic and a lot of pollution. And and then you have that story of 20 years ago. And um, then I went there and I, I explored the Switzerland of Africa. <laughs> It's well organized. Everything is well set. Um, they are trying to get the economy grow. They are protecting animals like the gorillas in the mountain, the mountain gorillas. And uh, um, they have an incredible community, how they stand together, but without excluding others, you know, and they want to get rid of that history. They want to look forward. And I love that spirit. Are there still people you met out on the road that you think about often now or that you're still in contact with? Oh, yeah, there are plenty of them. A lot of 
that I only think about that I had in mobile phones, and, but I had a good chat and that I left, and, but you have no contact and no um, possibility to be in contact, to stay in contact. But um, I'm in contact with a lot of people. Uh, there is this Maasai family from Tanzania that I'm still in contact uh, with, uh, people from Rwanda, um, people from Southeast Asia um, also. And um, yeah, I love to be in contact with them. Uh, you know, WhatsApp is a worldwide thing. It's amazing. <laughs> Technology, eh? Now that you're reflecting, now you're looking back, do we need to fear traveling? No, not at all. I keep it with Mark Twain, you know, <laughs> prejudice and, and bigotry is, oh no, traveling is uh, is killing prejudice and, and bigotry. So um, I guess he's totally right. It it sounds so abstract when you hear uh, this quotation, but it's exactly that. Um, I don't fear to travel to any country in the world. I would do it. If you would ask me, let's go to North Korea. Yeah, let's go to North Korea. You can't go by motorcycle. Um, Sadly, but you're not allowed. Or, or to Congo or to, to Sudan. I, don't, I would go. Yeah, of course. You would, of course, inform yourself and not be uh, blind going into risks. But um, I trust in people. And that's the, that's the most beautiful result of traveling, I think. And can anyone do this? That's a hard question because I don't want people to call me afterwards when something happens. <laughs> But, you know, um, people can't see this on a podcast, of course, but I'm not the sporty kind of guy. And I had my rider's license for three years and did like three or four trainings, uh, days of trainings in the Enduro Park in Hackling. So um, I would say yes, but um, I think it's um, you need the right mindset. Don't travel to compare, just travel to, to explore and to discover, I for guess, yourself. that way for yeah. yourself, yeah. And what kind of relationship did you form with that 1200 GS? <laughs> Funny thing is, I never, I never gave it a name. You know, a lot of adventure riders name their bikes. And I, because I was so nervous on departure, I forgot that. <laughs> so it's still just by motorcycle. And I love it. And did you always plan to write a book? Um, no, not at all. Um, I was doing these talks and these speaking engagements and uh, one day um, the publisher called me on my mobile phone and said, yeah, here's our National Geographic. We saw your talk. Would you like to make a book out of it? And I dropped the phone, I guess, <laughs> because I never planned that and I'm not so into books. And uh, I thought, ooh, me writing a book, that's a new adventure. Uh, so let's go for it. But of course, they'd, they'd seen your photographs and your talks and seen some of the videos that you'd made. So they, they knew the content was good. I uh, guess so, yes. And the speaking engagements came thick and fast and continue to uh, keep you busy. It seems like you really enjoy sharing your stories. Yes, it's like uh, I really have to admit that I enjoy uh, doing that. I enjoyed writing the book and I, you know, last week I was uh, again uh, talking to 600 people about this journey and uh, you, you see the reaction of the audience and, and this is so inspiring for, for myself too because it, it's, so, it's so beautiful to share something that people enjoy and um, it makes me for two hours be back on the road again. And that gives you so much energy. I love it. That's a nice way to put it.
What kind of feedback then do you get from the audiences? Well, the first question, normally the first question is, so how did the GS make? <laughs> and I always have to tell, well, there were some smaller things, but nothing big that could have stopped the journey. And then they, uh, some people are skeptical. They ask, was it really so nice? It really, never afraid, not a bad situation, robbery or anything. And some people are really um, happy that somebody tells the story not only about landscape photography and, you know, but also about real uh, human encounters. That's what really matters in these times, I guess. And now you're back to the agency life. Do you miss the road? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I love my job, but um, I love the road too. So what advice would you give to anyone listening and dreaming of their own big adventure? I, I don't like giving advices too much because everyone's individual. I always say something like, you know, when, you, when you're old and your body's given up on you and you're sitting in that rocking chair out on the back porch, you better have a head full of memories. Because <laughs> if you don't, you're just rocking. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, actually. That's a good one. And if you, you know, it doesn't have to be around the world trip. It could also be start with a smaller thing, start with one month or, or maybe three months and and then find out how, you, how you're feeling with it. Um, but there's only only one person who can decide to do it, and that's just you. And that's it. That's pretty much it. And as I said before, the first meters you're going, all the worries are gone. That That's how it was for me. That quickly, in the first meters. Yeah. Brilliant. It's been inspiring talking to you, Rolf. Thank you very much for your time. You've made me want to think about hitting the road again. That's always the, uh, the upside of these things. And uh, who knows where we'll meet, what crossroads our paths will take. Who knows? Thanks very much for yeah. taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Andy. Thank you very much. What a guy. I'm sure that this won't be the last time we hear from Rolf. You can find out more about his journey at thisworldahead.com or catch one of his amazing talks, which he gives in English and German languages. We're thinking of doing a future podcast on the specifics of preparing for a big adventure trip. So if you think this is something you'd be interested in, do let us know. Until then, enjoy riding and dreaming of your next adventure. There's a lot of world to discover out there. Bye for now.